0: I'm a feminist, but it's possible, um, no, it's, it's definite, um, that I might have. Okay, I'm on tour. Okay, um, I'm on tour. I'm currently in San Francisco. Thank you, San Francisco. It's the sound of the feminists of San Francisco on a Friday night. They're a, they're a, they're a bit drunk. It's Friday night. It's Friday night, Trump's in power, they're all very drunk. Uh, So the last place I was in was Vancouver and it's possible that I realised when I unpacked my suitcase in San Francisco this morning it's possible, maybe, very maybe, very definitely that I left my vibrator in the Vancouver hotel room bed. (laughs) And I am far, far too embarrassed to ring up and claim it. I just can't. I just can't. They just... I just can't. I just can't. Hello. Did you find something in the bed? A little... It was such a good one as well. It was like a little compact one. It was so good. It was the best... Travel vibe. vibe. It's the... <laughs> it's the best <laughs> vibration I've ever had. I, I don't know if it's called travel vibe. It's just a little guy. That's what I'd call it. Just easy, innit? it? Travel vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it's my year-rounder, to be honest. Uh, but it okay. just travels well. You You've know. got to have like a holiday vibe right? <laughs> I don't anymore because it's in Vancouver. I'm sure they threw it away, rightly, with some gloves. They just went... I'm a feminist, but
2: I just had a Brazilian. Uh, Some of you are applauding. I was very anti. I thought it was anti-feminist. I thought it was kind of encouraging, the, it, it, or it was due to the pornification of society, I thought it was infantilizing of the vagina, so I was very anti it for a long time. And then um, I got some grey pubes, <laughs> and they all had to go. That's they, like a closing down sale. <laughs> they all have to go. Price to move. Everything off. <laughs> everything off, 70% off, everything
0: off. Because what happens is... I think 75% off is about right. For me, obviously everyone should have what everyone wants and each individual wants And if you only have ever done it, you should absolutely let it grow in, see what that feels like. But Um, I have experienced all of the different levels and I I like it fairly smooth. I'm sorry, I know I like it fairly smooth because of living in a patriarchy, but I still do. What are you going to do about it?
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, I've had it full, but what happens is uh, when the greys come, they're sort of like squirrels, the invasive greys come in... (laughs) And then I just knock out the indigenous reds. So, <laughs> um, so we're looking at a fairly streamlined sitch.
0: I'm a feminist, but uh, the other day my friend had a baby, and uh, she whatsapp me a picture of the baby. And I was like, oh, my God, that baby is so beautiful. And I wrote back, she's such a little person. Most babies of that age are just squish face bugs. But yours is gorgeous. And I had to stop myself from writing, your baby is hot. <laughs> so like, and I was like, why am I obsessed with this baby's cosmetic appearance? And then I thought, well, that's all I know about it. Like, it doesn't have a blog. There's nothing else. I love it. Babies are
2: perfect, aren't they? Because they haven't turned into assholes yet.
0: Oh come the fuck on! They wake you up like 27 times. Like if a flatmate did that, if your roommate woke you up eight times a night, demands with demands to suck on your breast, <laughs> you'd be like, you have to leave, you have yeah. to leave. Depends, you you is my leave. ex
2: watching and my friend? No, no, okay. okay. Um. (Laughter) <laughs> Uh, I'm a feminist, but I've started using the phrase speaking as a mother to open all of my conversations. And I don't have
0: kids.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just feel it gives moral superiority Mm. to whatever bullshit opinion I'm about to spill forth. Uh, But aren't you doing a show called Mother? I'm doing a show about being a stepmother. I am actually technically a stepmother. Yeah, so Technically? Technically, yes. Technically. I don't know why I said it in that sort of way. I think historically we've, we've been viewed quite well, stepmothers, so I think there's no... Oh, I mean,
0: in all the stories <laughs> you come up trumps. <laughs> you are... But,
2: oh, um, the evil queen in Snow White. Uh, Hansel Ju- and Gretel. Ju- Hansel and Gretel. Julia Roberts in Stepmum, who oh. had the temerity to want a career. What a bitch. <laughs> um, and my personal favourite, Lady Tremaine from uh, Cinderella, she's my favourite
0: oh yeah, don't be that kind of stepmother I'm a feminist but I'm doing the show in California tonight this is the first (laughs) guilty feminist in California on this tour and so I did think to myself you're in California, John Hamm is in California (laughs) he might come so I took extra time worrying about what to wear just because I thought if you're in the same state as John Hamm just get ready because you don't know when he might just... is Just to check, is John Hammond? Not no, as such.
2: No, oh, no. No, no I, he's not. I think not. Johnny Bacon might be. Distant relative. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I'm into some problematic 80s hair rock. A few others. I love Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Like, I love those bat, like, girls, girls, girls! Like, when I (laughs) went to uh, Hollywood for the first time, I was like, I can't wait to get on Sunset Strip and go past Whiskey A Go-Go, and it's terrible. Like, I love the music sung by men who will give you hepatitis. Um... (laughs)
0: Live from the Palace of Fine Arts Theatre in San Francisco. The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist, with me, Deborah Francis-White, and guest co-host, Tiff Stevenson. Today, we're talking about everyday contributions to feminism. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, with me is Tiff Stevenson, and today we're talking about our everyday contributions to feminism. We're all doing something. We've all got a story to tell. How are you? Have you had a feminist week or a guilty week? Oh, I've had all of the weeks. I mean,
2: I told myself I was too fat to go in Barney's for the sale a couple of days ago. That's pretty unfeminist, isn't it?
0: What you just in your head decided? I just went,
2: like, I really get the old inner critic came out and I really, and then I went over and went, do you know what? Sunglasses don't give a shit. (laughs) so I got over it quite quickly (laughs) Yeah, I
0: I think Barneys I don't want to disparage Barneys but I think a lot of shops of that genre are not very size inclusive no you just feel that you're
2: being judged when you walk in there the second you sort of go in and people are like are you going to try
0: that? I mean they don't say it out loud but you know oh they do in Paris (laughs) I was shopping in Paris once and the lady just looked at me and went no (laughs) no no and she just basically said don't get out of my shop you're too big for all of the things. And I was like, but would you have this in a... No. We have this in a that, and that's what we have it in. If you don't come in that size, fuck off out of my shop.
2: Yeah, it's it the one place so where, they, where they want you to... Everyone wants to be a zero. Well, I want to be nothing. Thank you. Yeah, a
0: zero. I know. I size zero is so wrong, isn't it? How can you be a size zero? It's this constant drive for women to become invisible. And I don't think it's an accident. No. That the, I, that the patriarchy wants us to be invisible. To be as small men, as possible. That, that men should be as big as possible and women should be as small as possible. Yeah, I think so.
2: And also, I felt a bit bad, because everyone was like, kind of mourning the end of Barneys, but I was also a bit like, I went in there because there was a sale on, and I was like, oh, even with 70% off, I
0: cannot afford it.
2: No, no. Um, I don't feel bad about it. That the should be their logline,
0: really. Barneys, you can't fit into it, and you can't afford it. <laughs> Yeah, we're. Ex- Are they closing down? They're closing not, down. It's not Someone- clear why. <laughs> Sorry, no, I feel bad because people will work there, and some people will miss it.
2: I, I, think. I
0: think thin rich people will miss it. They will thin, very 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 petite, very wealthy women will be, just they're weeping. They're probably not here tonight. They're weeping. Weeping for Barneys. Barneys. Barneys.
2: Barneys. I think they probably sold those Dior T-shirts. They were the ones that got me. I did really have a moment. You know when Dior brought out that We Should All Be Feminist T-shirt? And it was $700. And went up to a size 12. And I was like, cool. Just some people can be feminists. Um, So yeah, I feel sad for the people losing their jobs, but I don't know that anything should cost as much as some of the stuff in their cars. There was a book on Barbara Streisand
0: Great as Babs is, it was a coffee table book, $750. At that point, though, isn't it just... It's deliberately priced that way so that the person who buys it feels important. There's no intrinsic value to that. And Barbara Streisand, if you're in, we love you. Yeah, we love you. And Babs. I would buy any reasonably priced coffee table book of yours. <laughs> uh, is Barbara Streisand in? She'd be up here now. She'd be singing memories by now. <laughs> yeah. If that happened. And I'm all power, all power.
2: Like the corners of my mind. Yeah.
0: Imagine, imagine if just Bette Midler went. I'm in. Yeah. Imagine Ooh. if that happened. Bet's feisty. Bet on Twitter wow. is amazing. Yeah. Oh. Although I always think feisty is a word we reserve for women with opinions. You're oh, yeah. Feisty. Yeah. You never. A man is never described as feisty. I'm going to start doing it. Yeah.
2: Me too. The next place I leave from here, and I meet a man, I'm going to go. You're feisty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Next, mm. next. Sassy. Very sassy. Yeah. What a strong, independent man. <laughs> yeah. We've got, we got to stop doing it. We've got you to go, Guy. It. Exactly. You are a king. You are a prince. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should do the introduction. I'm going to say live from the Palace of Fine Arts Theatre in San Francisco. And you are going to break into spontaneous applause. So this is the opening titles that you hear when you listen on the... If you don't listen, it's the opening titles. Does that mean we miss all this excellent bit before the podcast? The bantery bit? No, no. it'll be
2: edited in. Perfect. It'll be edited in. He I edits. Don't, he I, ed- don't wanna, I don't want to miss You Go Guy.
0: No. <laughs> I want yeah, that l- Listen, if Listen, you, if you're used to listening to the super tight Guilty Feminist, uh, tonight you're going to find out just how good our editor is. LAUGHTER <laughs> When you listen, you'll be like, they didn't say that, they didn't say that, wasn't in that order. It's the magic of the edit, which is nine-tenths of the success of this show, you're about to find out. Um, A man in the front row just said, seamless. Seamless? Thank you. Yeah, I hope that wasn't sarcasm, because men aren't allowed it in this show. (laughs) You're allowed mild irony, but we will decide what mild irony looks like. (laughs) It's a bit like the reverse for us when we're in the workplace and men get to decide what's emotion. You know, it's like, oh, she's so emotional. And it, did you see that study that came out that said men are three times as emotional in the workplace as women? And that's because we're not allowed to show it. We're so frightened of showing our emotions in a workplace. Whereas men are like, God damn it! Because they think that isn't an emotion. They think that's them not suffering fools <laughs> gladly. They think that's leadership. They think that's neutral. Yeah, That's yeah, default. Yeah. men are allowed to... Be. I'm sure you're not, sir, though. You're lovely. <laughs> I am absolutely... You're in the front row of the guilty feminists. Well done, you. You're lovely. Were you in any way concerned about being in the front row, sir? I
3: had to actually get up early to buy tickets for this.
0: For my beautiful wife. Oh! Aww. You got up early to go and buy the tickets for your wife. Wow. Interesting.
4: <laughs>
0: Is she a fan of the show? Or are you fans collectively?
5: She's a bigger fan than I but we both... <laughs>
0: Oh they're turning, they're turning. Don't take her back, take it back. Take it back. You said she's a bigger fan than you are, but but we both listen. So you listen under sufferance. It's possible she's making you listen for a reason. She's brought you here to learn. It's possible. It's possible. Men should
2: listen more, always. That's a good question to ask though. You know where you say we suppress our emotions. I've cried in the lift like Samantha did in Sex in the City. Do you remember when she nearly didn't get the job with Dickalicious? Richard. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I loved it when she says Dick. Don't be
0: so judgmental. Anyway, she <laughs> He says, I tell you, they, if they know you can do that, they will reboot the fuck out of that movie. <laughs> she's the only one that won't come back. I'm telling you, Tiff, send in a self-tape. Send in my... They're desperate to do another movie. You could use a little backdoor. <laughs> she could do it. She could do Kim Cattrall. <laughs> I'm, I just don't think SJP knows about this. No, I should, but could it not
2: be whatever two was? Because that was horrific. <gasps> that That's...
0: ruined the whole franchise for me.
2: I, I still haven't got over it. It's kind of like watching your best friend have sex with your husband or something. I don't know, just like... Some people like partner, that. Some people partner. are into it. Some people yeah, are into it. Some people might be into that. For me, it was awful. <laughs> when it happened. I wasn't horny. I cried. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, are we still talking about Sex of the City 2? Or are we talking about a time when your partner had sex with a friend? Uh, sex of the City 2, because I can't unhear
2: the line... Lawrence of my labia. Oh, I it, can't unhear no, that. That's know, forever, I and know. now it's
0: forever with you. You're welcome. No, no, it was it was terribly, terribly out of step with the zeitgeist. The way when they got to wherever they were in some, thank you, Abu Dhabi. Thank you. Of course, I can ask any question about Sex and City in this room, and I will get the correct answer. <laughs> uh, they got to Abu Dhabi, and they put them all in a separate stretch limo. And they all accepted that and didn't go, that's very bad for the environment. We will all go in one. It would be a lot more fun. They all went in their own limo. And I was like, "What? You've, have you not read anything since... It was like everyone had been frozen in aspic <laughs> since the last film. And they had no sense of also cultural appropriation. It was just terrible terrible things in that film and I'm still angry about it I'm mostly angry that she in her 40s with two apartments in Manhattan mm. and still was running in and going I kissed the wrong boy uh, everyone get out of the bath yeah. <laughs> by the time you're 45 either learn not to kiss people that aren't your husband if you can't handle it or kiss people who aren't your husband and shut the fuck up yeah it's only cute until you're 37 and then you've got to start <laughs> that's the cut off date I mean, it's Is adorable it? when you can't pay your rent and you're a bit of a mess and the man you love keeps on fucking you over of course we will listen to your problems Carrie Bradshaw yes of course we will I think if you own two separate properties in Manhattan you pass 38 suck it up bitch whatever what I mean saying. I'm just questioning I'm questioning laughter Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Frances White. Hello, 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 hello and welcome. So exciting to be here in San Francisco. It's so proper. Uh, do, uh, do we have any feminist t-shirts in? Yes. What does yours say? Oh, but it says it in French. Hold on, I'll just give you the mic one second. This is a story. Normally, it's just like, you know, women or something.
6: I got in trouble for wearing feminist t shirts to work, so I started wearing them in other languages. Very
0: good. So, this says a ret de m'expliquer? Is that how you say mansplaining in French? Is that how they say it, or you've just improvised? Dude splaining, is that what they call it? really stop the dudes dudesplaining you know that is a reasonable request and somehow it's so much more defiant in French isn't it you can just see that woman with her cigarette anybody else I can see oh I think this is a good one do you mind sorry I don't I'm pointing at your breasts and you've not given me consent for this Oh, now you've opened your jacket. I thought it was bitches against Trump. It's witches against Trump. <laughs> and who's Trump? <laughs> we haven't heard. Um, although, Rachel Maddow, are we, are we getting closer? Are we getting closer? Are we edging towards the beginning of the end? Oh. No, uh, just give us a cheer if you're optimistic about the end of Trump. <laughs> give us a cheer if you're not. He will die at some point. At some... Oh, I can't say that. I'm on an O1 visa. That, it might sound like violence. He will retire at some point. I can't say anything that sounds like violence. And I, I meant of natural causes, if you're in from immigration, I meant at some point we're all going to die. I didn't mean anything violent. I mean, I thought it, but I certainly didn't say it. And unless we are actually into the United States of Gilead, period, which we're verging on, we're edgy. I know, I know, I know. But I was coming back over from Canada, well, because I was, started this tour on the East Coast, and then I went into Canada, and then I've come back out. And while I was going over the border into Canada, I did have that feeling, that handmaid's tale feeling of getting to Canadian immigration. And I thought everyone might applaud, give me a blanket. Seven. I was wearing this red coat, so it made me feel a bit like I just tossed off my hood. I think my greatest fear about Gilead coming true is that I wouldn't be a handmaid, I'd be an aunt. I think, but then I think I'd rather be a hot young aunt than a washed up handmaid, you know? My ovaries definitely don't work. I've been there, I've tried. They're not producing anything, 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 anything. Like a baby. And at the time, I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I was never really devastated about it, but I was like, oh. But now I'm kind of pleased because of climate change. Because I sort of think, no, I'm not pleased about climate change. Uh, I feel like I'm <laughs> thrilled. I'm like, you know, I'm, it's possible I might be dead by the time the worst of it comes. But if I had a small child, I'd always be going, sorry, I'm just going to, at some point, everyone dies at some point. The same point I've made about Trump earlier. <laughs> um, oh, are there any other good t shirts before we move on? Yes, what's yours, say? I say I I'm Oh, hello. <laughs> what's the band on your arm? A nasty woman. A nasty woman, <laughs> Nasty women. To I'm Oh, a multi buttoned tote. <laughs> you have compre- layers of feminism. Layers and layers and layers of feminism. Oh, okay, great, thank you very much. You wrote me a poem. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, we, thank you. Oh, do you. Does anyone here, before I go on, have a feminist job that they think is a? Yeah, it's like I just sometimes like to do is sort of find out where. So, what's yours? A teacher. Teacher. And who do you teach? Elementary like And do you deliver any feminist messages to them? You talked about consent today with eight year olds. Wow. Sorry? We have going around that escalates. So we were talking about when to consent for fun joshing around and when it's not a good idea. It's not just a joke. Okay, great. Okay, super. What's your name? Savannah. Okay, great. Uh, what was yours? Uh, you know how women always end up making all the social plans with their friends? Yes. Oh, a feminist app that will... It's, a, it's an emotional labour app. So that the things that women do that go into everyday... It, that bring people together. So all of that... It, it's like when women say, because we've been told over you know generations and in our lifetime, oh, I don't know if I could produce a film. And I always think, well, who produces Christmas in your house? It's not a fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> Who produces Hanukkah? Who produces Eid? It's definitely not a man. Who organises for everybody to go to the cinema together and for you to see your old friends? It's always a woman or a gay man. I've never, ever, ever gone out to a group anything that's been organised by a man. Do you know the only thing, the only thing that men organise bachelor parties and look at how horrible they are. (laughs) Straight men... That's all they should be allowed to organize because they're the only people that go to those. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine. You go off and do that vile thing for however many days. But don't inflict it on anyone else. So your app is an emotional labor app. Anybody else? Anyone else got a feminist job? Yes?
7: I am a psychotherapist and
0: social worker that works with survivors of human trafficking. Oh, wow. And where do you do that? In In your private practice. You work with people who've survived human trafficking? Wow. What's your name? Tatiana. Tatiana? She's also on our human trafficking commission. Yay, Tatiana? Yay. <laughs> and do you know each other or this is just you stalking her? <laughs> huh? What's your name? My name is Prathima. I run the Office of Women's Policy. Okay. Okay. So your name is Tatiana and your name is what? Prathima. Prathima. Okay. I've got some news. Um the guest today was meant to be the CEO of Planned Parenthood, but just before this show, she had a family emergency and she couldn't come. So the reason I'm asking about feminist jobs is I'm looking for some guests. <laughs> would you two be interested in coming on together to talk about trafficking? Yes, absolutely. But also, if either of the other people we've talked to would like a little segment to talk about, you would like a segment to talk about your app. We can give you a little segment. Yeah. Do you want to talk about... Teaching consent. Sure, okay. So we've got a variety show (laughs) that will end with your poem. Okay. Um, This is San Francisco Life. Now, this has only happened once in the history of The Guilty Feminist. We've been doing it four years. It's only happened once before that a guest at the last minute had an emergency and had to leave. And that episode was in Manchester, in Britain, and it dropped this week. (laughs) Weirdly. And everybody loved it. And it was, in fact, it was a teacher. And uh, she's teaching them politics. And she's, I think, sneaking in quite a lot of feminism. Uh, but also, some of it's on the course. So she taught us what she teaches them. And, of course, sometimes you think, oh, we actually don't, don't really know the history of feminism in the way that we should. So she was really brilliant. And so when this happened today, I was kind of excited. As sad as I am not to have the CEO of Planned Parenthood on, I was so excited because I thought, I bet there's all these amazing women in the audience... And that we're not hearing from, and they're local San Francisco feminists. And we do have a, a, a lovely uh, variety. Yes? Um, I'm an STD doctor, and I just
3: made a virtual reality pelvic exam to teach medical students because it's, hard, it's really hard for medical trainees to know how to do pelvic exams
0: and they feel awkward learning how to do it. Yeah, I don't want them doing a, a, <laughs> their very first pelvic exam on me, if I'm perfectly honest. I absolutely don't. Uh, if you're out there and a medical student, I know you have to learn somehow, not on me. And I know that's selfish and wrong, but now there's a virtual reality version of my pelvis you can have a good old rootle around in <laughs> till you're sorted. Okay. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Tiff Stevenson! Yes!
2: Ah, this is great. Now you get to see my sparkly shoes. Thank you. (laughs) Can I admit to um, having a couple of little drinks before the show as well? Let's just ease into that. Because I want to talk a little bit about womb bothering. um, Because I feel like you might be a crowd who's up for it. That's what I call anyone who thinks it's okay to interfere with a woman's reproductive rights. Womb botherers. Um... I'm so sorry that your country is currently being run by men that think Roe versus Wade was a tennis match. That is an excellent joke. Actually. But it does require knowledge of 70s tennis and US abortion legislation. (laughs) Crossover in that Venn diagram is never as high as I would hope. Ah, there's a sign saying abortion is all right. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Um... So, policing women's bodies has sort of become a real political goal, hasn't it? Like, it's happened in the UK. We've, uh, just in the run-up to the leadership election in the Conservative Party, you had Boris Johnson and Jacob Rees-Mogg. And Jacob Rees-Mogg, apropos of nothing, because no one asked him what his thoughts on reproductive rights were, said, if it was up to me, I'd lower the abortion terms to 12 weeks. And I thought, that's interesting, because if it was up to me, I'd extend them to however old Jacob Rees-Mogg is. (laughs) It's just a difference of opinion, isn't it? Um and it's sort of bad enough, I guess, when it's politicians and people making the legislations controlling women. But sometimes it goes beyond that and tips into corporations, and that's when I think it's really damaging. Now, some of you may have seen this story in the UK, but last year, Boots, our big pharmacy chain, like your Walgreens, you know, Dwayne Reed's, they got in trouble for refusing to lower the price of the morning after pill in case it encouraged women. That was in their official statement. As if that's how it works, ladies. As if you hear that and go, ooh. Do you know what I haven't had for ages? (laughs) A really good pregnancy scare. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing as it's so cheap, I might as well. (laughs) Plus I get loyalty points, so. Make it rain. (laughs) I think it rained. So I want to share with you this story, and it's sort of from my current show, which I've been touring around. It begins in Starbucks, because that's where every good story begins. (laughs) I was stood at the end of the counter. Next to me was a heavily pregnant woman. I'm going to say about six, seven months. I don't know. Not a doctor. (laughs) The barista comes over to give us our drinks, and he, uh, he hands me my coffee, then registers that the woman next to me is pregnant, and goes, oh, do you want me to make you a decaf? Now... I don't have a problem with this first question. She says, oh, no, it's fine. I'll take the coffee I've ordered. And then he leans in and says, oh, no, I don't think you're allowed caffeine. (laughs) At which point she said, I know what the recommended daily intake is. I have one caramel macchiato a day. It's fine. Then he leans in a bit further and says, no, I don't think you should have caffeine because it's bad for the baby. At which point I'm watching this nearly spontaneously combusting. Now, I don't know how old the audience is. Uh, I don't know if you remember spontaneous human combustion. (laughs) It was big in the 80s. You'd see pictures of it. It was always women. They were always old. Now, how do I know there were older women? Because you would see a walking frame. You would see a bit of a slipper and an ankle maybe blown off. Some knitting needles. like Just a charred something on the floor. I have a theory as to why it was always old women spontaneously combusting. I think it was women who just got to a certain point in their life and could no longer tolerate sexist bullshit. <laughs> I think this is what it is. Because it starts when you're young, doesn't it? Normally, sort of in your teens, when you come into yourself as a woman, oh, what a horrible phrase. There's no correct way to say it. Is it budding? <laughs> She's blossoming. But you know what I mean, that sort of age. It starts then, you're walking down the street and someone goes, cheer up. And you're like, I am cheery. Cheer up. I've started saying, actually, someone just died. <laughs> when they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I go, yeah, no one I know. that 's the point it normally starts right you know you 're in your teens that 's when it starts the sexism and at that point its kind of it becomes constant and it 's an irritation it 's like it 's like candida it 's just there it 's constantly irritating you and then you get to your 20s and your 30s and that irritation turns to like a sort of latent anger you're like a volcano that's laying dormant and it's just sort of there under the surface and then you get passed over for a promotion and you get ignored at work and then you get into your 40s and it just gets a bit warmer you know that heat it starts bubbling up it becomes a hot bubbling rage I think that's the menopause I think that's what's happening and then one day someone says go in the kitchen and make me a sandwich and poof Mount Barbara has exploded. (laughs) So there I am, halfway to self-immoliation. She's gone off to tell her friends what's happened and presumably get a fire extinguisher for me. And uh, he leans into this, right? He continues to justify it to me for the next five minutes. He's like, well, the thing is, she shouldn't have caffeine because it's bad for the baby. And I say, oh, my God, it's so good that they're doing, um, you know, OBGYNO training in Starbucks. I don't know when that began, but you know, the NHS in the UK is overstretched, so it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Part of the healthcare. He says, no, no, you know, I just want what's best for the customer. And I was like, she knows what's best for her. Pfft. There's a smoking pair of glittery sandals on the floor. So I get into my car, right? And uh, I tweet this story. Of course I do, because I'm a comedian. I talk about funny stuff that happens in my life. That's my job, right? I forget about it. I don't look at Twitter for a couple of hours. When I come back, the story has blown up to an insane degree. It's gone viral. They're talking about it on the news in Australia. (laughs) The thing that happened in Starbucks. And... uh, my Twitter's gone crazy. And there were three very distinct responses which I want to unpack for you because I do think it gives us uh, a window into how the world sees women. The first response was women saying, oh my God, this has happened to me. You know, um, I was refused a sip of champagne at my own baby shower. I was refused uh, half a Guinness. I was refused a coffee. One woman came online and said, I went into a deli and they refused me salami. <laughs> That's pretty ironic. Um, LAUGHTER maybe past that point (laughs) that point of the story i enjoyed you know i enjoyed connecting with those other women about shared experiences um and their bodies being policed like we, we were kind of talking about it going god if we didn't laugh at this we'd cry that part of the story going viral i enjoyed the second response was mainly guys saying didn't happen and tagging an account called the didn't happen of the year awards Now, this is an account that seemingly exists to gaslight women's experiences because a woman tells a story, she's instantly disbelieved. It makes you wonder why certain things go unreported. So I'm being tagged into didn't happen of the year awards, didn't happen, didn't happen, men tweeting me, didn't happen. Um, This has never happened to me. Therefore, it has never happened to anybody ever. I've never given a woman an orgasm. Therefore, women don't have orgasms. (laughs) You know, it was a genuine conversation in the 60s. Is the female orgasm a myth? (laughs) No wonder women were spontaneously combusting. (laughs) And then one man came online and said, I think you'll find you've stolen this story off of Reddit. And that is the voice of every man I ever disagree with. And I said, "What the thing that just happened to me in real life. He went, well, explain to me how come there's a story on there that's almost beat for beat the same as this. I said, I don't know, mate. It's almost like men can't help telling women what to do with their bodies. (laughs) It's almost like it's a common thing. (laughs) And then there was the third response, which was men and women tweeting me to tell me that I was the problem here. This man working in Starbucks was just a concerned citizen just trying to do his job, and I was the kind of bitch that wanted to get him fired. Why are you being such a bitch, you bitch? He's just doing his job. Well, firstly, that's not his job. His job, if he works in Starbucks, is serve that piss coffee they offer, <laughs> Spell someone's name wrong on a cup. <laughs> go home. It's your job, right? If you have an overwhelming interest in the female reproductive system, save it for your spare time or get a job in politics. So also an option for you. I think I just wanted some perspective. Like this woman was asking for a caramel macchiato, not a bottle of gin and some knitting needles. <laughs> and even if she was, that's her prerogative, right? And also, it is important to say this was men and women tweeting this, because as we know, women can be agents of the patriarchy, you know, uh, or Aunt Lydia's, as I like to call them. So, women were tweeting. And then I was being told that I'd made it up because I'm a feminist. I was, Yeah, exactly, thank you. I was making it up for attention because I'm a feminist and I'm ugly and I can't catch a dick. As if I'm out hunting for one with a massive net. It's where I've been going wrong. I have these spats. Oh, no, you made that up. You're a feminist. You're just doing it to get attention. I had one of these spats with a woman named Candace Owens. Now, if you don't know who Candace Owens is, she's a sort of alt-right journalist. She actually started off as a left-wing journo, and then she became more and more radical left until eventually she tipped all the way back round into alt-right. <laughs> forming a perfect circle, or an asshole, if you prefer. <laughs> and I do prefer... She tweeted that feminism was a cancer and a cause of all the problems in the world. And I quoted the tweet, just with a little joke, going, did you know Candace Owens is an anagram of internalized misogyny? Just a joke. It's a joke. You wouldn't believe the amount of your fellow Americans that tweeted me to tell me I didn't understand what an anagram was. You don't appear to know what a joke is. This is gonna be a real problem. Making it up, you're a feminist, you're a bitch. Anyway, at the end, I just got so tired of all the trolling and... Um, the, oh, don't, don't apologise. Are you apologising for fellow Americans? Not getting that job? <laughs> That's a very British thing to do. Um, uh, but no, you listen, it was, it, you know, sometimes it's overwhelming. With a story like that, I enjoyed connecting with the women. But I decided the best way to beat the trolls, as I came up with a little plan for this, the best way to beat the trolls is to... Um, is to become one. So I decided that I was going to create this scenario where I was the concerned citizen just doing the right thing and a man was the person having himself policed or something that he was doing police. I was just going to flip the script on that. So, so I composed a little tweet. I put it out and said, um, hey guys, I'm just at the airport. I've seen a man wearing a very expensive watch. He's flashing it about all over the place. So I just went over and said, look mate, I'm not being funny. If that gets stolen, it's your fault. And I sat back and waited for the praise to roll in. (laughs) It didn't happen. Um, The first tweet I got was, well, if a man has an expensive watch, what's he supposed to do with it? Keep it in the safe. What's the point of having a nice watch? I said, but you're probably not bearing in mind that this guy was drunk. So it was almost like he was asking to have his watch stolen. And can I be honest with you a second? I don't even think it's that nice looking a watch. Like, personally, I wouldn't steal it. (laughs) It's just not the kind of watch that I'm into, and I want you all to know that and think I'm a concerned citizen and a good person because I said it. (laughs) Also, it's not even this guy's first watch. (laughs) This guy's have loads of watches. Can we even trust? Oh, no, the watch has been stolen. Fuck, shit. Oh, it's okay. They've apprehended the guy. Turns out he has an amazing swimming career, so probably bear that in mind when it anyway so don't go to starbucks um (laughs) i just realized that ended on like quite a sad metaphor but i feel if anyone's going to appreciate it it's you guys right
0: tiffany stevens everybody Hello, Guilty Feminist. Just to let you know that we are performing live at the London Podcast Festival with socially distant seating. All of the tickets to come and see us in person have sold out, but you can get tickets for the live recording via a live video stream. All the excitement of being there in person, but from the comfort of your own laptop. All the mistakes, things we regret saying, awkward pauses and technical hitches will be laid bare for you to see. My co-host for the episode will be Jessica Foster-Q. Yay, we haven't been together for ages. And our guest will be the amazing Katie Melua. And that's on Saturday, the 26th of September at 7pm. She will both be our guest and also our musical guest. very exciting. And we've also just announced that we'll be recording an episode of our diversity-based panel show, Global Pillage, on the same day at noon. You can buy tickets now to come and be in the Hive Mind, or once again, watch the live stream from home. To get tickets for both events, go to kingsplace.co.uk or see the links on our website. Also, there are some shows I've curated, including Sarah Pascoe's Sex Power Money and Samantha Bain's The Divorce Club as well as Izzy Sooty's love stories. Check all of those out. At the London Podcast Festival, see if there's tickets for you to come live or online. A huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who've helped us keep making the show through the lockdown. I really do mean that. We've got lots of goodies for Patreon supporters from money off merch to exclusive stickers to extra audio content to live video hangouts with me via Zoom. Please go to patreon.com slash guilty feminist to check out the different tiers. You can change your level of support at any time so you're not tied in. And we can't thank you enough for helping to support the show. We really couldn't have kept going without you. And if you've got a company that you think would be a good match for us, we are now accepting sponsors. We've never done this before, but during lockdown with our tour cancelled and only a handful of socially distanced live shows, we need to do something to keep being able to produce the podcast and properly pay the people who contribute to it. Get in touch with us at guiltyfeminist at gmail.com and we'll let you know what you can expect from sponsoring an episode, or placing an advertisement. You can also get a wonderful range of Guilty Feminist merch from our website. You can buy my book, The Guilty Feminist, and you can take one of our new B-World classes delivered over Zoom. The merch in the book will directly help me out and the Guilty Feminist out. But anyone who contributes for the B-World classes, uh, the money is going directly to the teachers and the organiser. Please join in. Absolutely lovely first class. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the episode about wellness and uh, white supremacy and uh, how we can shift the way wellness is perceived. I really, really recommend it. And please, please, please come along to one of the classes. You're just going to love it. And now back to the podcast. Our guests today are San Francisco locals. We found them in this very audience. They both work with victims of trafficking to fight trafficking Brotima is here in her role as private citizen (laughs) and feminist to the world. Tatiana is here uh, in her role as a private practitioner and also she is on the board of Justice at Last. Put your hands together for Tatiana and Brotima. introduce yourselves for the podcast and if you've got an I'm a feminist part we'd love to hear it
4: okay sorry my name is Pratima I'm a feminist but I wish I had dressed up today (laughs) you look lovely
0: and you're wearing a button that says sugar and spice and reproductive rights
4: yay (laughs) on theme that's my friend Bindu in the audience hey she gave, me, she gave me this button because we're getting ready for the Women's March tomorrow. Yes. Oh,
2: yeah. San Francisco. So wherever
4: you are. So I'll be at San Jose. If you're in San Jose, come see me at 1030 at the City Hall. We're going to walk. We're going to smash patriarchy and have a great time.
7: Right. I am Tatiana Foltz. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I work predominantly with uh, trauma survivors, including survivors of human trafficking. May
4: I give a plug for Justice at Last?
7: Mm.
4: I want to give a plug for Justice at Last, where Tatiana is recently a board member. Justice at Last works with human trafficking survivors, looked them up, and they have a fearless founder called Rose Mukar. Rose and I go a long way back when we were both volunteering at a domestic violence agency as litigators representing survivors. Wow. wow. So are you a lawyer, Bratima? Yes. I, I'm a lawyer by profession. I now work for the county of Santa Clara, which is... We, Bindu and I drove, what, 40 miles tonight? Oh, wow. My husband and I had tickets for the show. I'm a big fan, and... We go with each other only to comedy shows. That's our thing to do. Uh, Some couples like to go to a nice restaurant, have a nice meal. We like to go watch comedy. And so he was going to come tonight. He was very sick. I wasn't going to miss it. No. (laughs) So you just left him in bed? (laughs) He's a grown man. (laughs)
0: You. I would do the same I'm just clarifying yes, that he's not by the side of the road or anything he's alright and,
4: and if he's by the side of the road I'll find him when I go
3: home sure yeah, yeah 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 you're
0: having the time of your life you're yeah. up on the stage here I've heard there's an app for that <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that It's are smashing just, it Debs They're yeah, smashing I mean it. really it's, it's yeah, I have to, I'm having to do very little at all um <laughs>
4: Were you going to have Stacey Wood tonight?
0: Uh, the,
4: the, the, the CEO of Planned Paraphore? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'll text her and let her know. <laughs> okay, oh, are you a friend of hers? <laughs> we'll tell the work stuff. So uh, she's amazing, she's fantabulous. Look her up and I'll let her know. <laughs> thank you for not coming because I got a chance.
0: (laughs) Absolutely,
4: absolutely. And then I I, I didn't know she was going to be on. Bindu and I, Bindu, Bindu, thank you for this button.
0: (laughs) It's clearly the feminist gods are with us. So tell us about the work that Justice at Last is doing and is there any way for us to uh, spread awareness or help uh, or get involved? What can we do to help you?
7: Definitely, Uh, Justice at Last works in the whole Bay Area and really the state of California in providing legal representation to survivors of human trafficking. And someone doesn't always have to identify as a survivor of human trafficking. And just because someone is anti-trafficking doesn't mean they're anti-sex work. Yes. Uh, You know, just like someone can be anti-domestic violence and like pro-relationships. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just against the violent piece. And they provide legal services for survivors of human trafficking and almost any other crime in the world. Well, especially in the U.S., let's talk about. I don't know all law. I got you covered. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) 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 On the bar in uh, 200 (laughs) countries. If you uh, have a gun to your head, if you have your family threatened, if you have your well-being threatened, if you are lied to about a debt you actually don't have, and you commit a crime, let's say like bank robbery, you are not held as a criminal of that crime, you are held as a survivor of that crime. Right. With human trafficking, if it involves commercial sex acts, and you have experienced force fraud coercion, if you've experienced violence, if you're over the age of 18, in California, you can still be charged for crimes related to being trafficked. What? Why? You're because being trafficked
0: sisters, because of patriarchy. But you're, you've you been kidnapped, and you're. you're what, so, what crime could you have possibly committed? What could you go down for, for example?
7: Good question. So, about 11% of the survivors are kidnapped. Most of them know they're abusers, um, they're traffickers, just like we hear about uh, child abuse and molestation, right? Sometimes they get taken in for potentially murdering their trafficker, uh, just like I'm apologize if I mispronounce your name, uh, Crystal uh, Kieser, uh, K-I-S-E-R. Um, she's currently in Wisconsin jail for murdering her trafficker when she was 17 years old.
4: And sintoya Brown, who is advocating for her, who was formerly imprisoned uh, and and denied parole Over and over again, she was serving time for having murdered her trafficker. She was finally released, and she's now uh, advocating for this other survivor.
0: We've got to see that as self-defense, for God's sake. The idea of being trafficked and then having things done to you, unspeakable violence to you, of course, if you can find that moment to try and get out, of course, anybody would... Is there anything else that people get? So say, for example, if the person who's trafficked them makes them do something, can they then be charged with that?
7: Many times, and ever since we now have safe harbour laws, which if someone is under the age of 18, they can't be charged with solicitation, pandering, these types of things. But you have your 18th birthday. You can be charged, even though they know you have a controller, they know you have mm-hmm. an abuser, you can be charged with solicitation, you can be charged with... Um, holding drugs for your trafficker. You can be charged even with driving a fellow survivor to a location, and this is very difficult. Or even helping someone that your trafficker is also trafficking, helping them with their makeup can be seen as also Recruiting. trafficking that mi- no, yeah yes, yes. Yes. And so many times they're forced to recruit. There are deadly and violent consequences to not bringing in other predominantly women, but transgender individuals, non-binary individuals, boys, men, are all being trafficked currently. And um, I'm sorry, this is such a downer after such amazing set. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> we're, The one thing we can do on this show is change
0: your gear. And we want to know about this you know there's no point in us coming along and just going jokes 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 don't we all feel bad? like we need to know what you're doing what you're working with what you're up against yeah. and how we can help this this is so interesting yeah. and we're, we need we're to know who the women are who need our help right yeah absolutely we're no we're
7: all gripped so you're working with survivors how do you get people out how do you help people that's a Great question. So many a times we refer them to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is one 888 And there's a lot of resources, a lot of how to identify as a teacher, how to identify as a nurse, how to identify as a doctor on their website. So if you want to know how to identify if, let's say, my massage therapist is being trafficked, my nail technician is being trafficked, even, you know, the housekeeper being trafficked, because there's labor trafficking in the States also. We sometimes refer them to that hotline. When I worked at safe houses, we would create safety plans. So, okay, you might not know what town you're in. Can you look around, see if you know street signs? See, okay, you're at a Motel 6. How far away is the closest 7-Eleven, maybe? Where did you get your condoms? Is that relatively close? And really walking them through how to keep themselves as safe as possible, utilizing harm reduction models, and of course, honoring their choice, the limited choices that they do have in this violent situation, because they are the experts in their own situation. They know when their trafficker is going to be in the worst mood. They know what the risks are in leaving. And we need to honor that, that just because a police shows up at their hotel room doesn't mean that's the safest time to leave. So really honoring that experience, and it takes practice to lead, just like domestic violence, intimate partner violence. It takes practice. So a lot of patience and a lot of support. And a lot of
4: moving pieces. Yes. We can't assume that we know what a survivor needs. Moving pieces in the survivor's lives, especially if it's a survivor of trafficking, could range from trying to get out and not be recognized by the survivor and leave the geography Of where they are or they just want a ticket to get to somewhere else or they have a minor child that they gave birth to and the child is a result of rape from the trafficker and they want the best for the child we can't be in a position to decide what's good for them we need to work with them to find out what do you need the most right now how can we help you and when Organizations like Justice at Last who have a particular capacity and talent uh, which is representing survivors in the legal capacity, when they're working with survivors, out of 10 who they're working with, if they're able to go to court for one, that's a win. Because that's one less person who's trafficked. The other nine now know that there are organizations like Justice at Last who will keep their doors open. And if they can't leave the situation at that point in time, organizations like Justice at Last and Bay Area Legal Aid, if any of you know Bay Area Legal Aid, that's my former Yes, I worked with them for a long time, I love y'all, I love Bay Legal. The most important thing we can do is to tell them, please come back to us when you're ready, we'll still be here our doors will still be open mm-hmm. because the worst thing we do as a system is assume our doors are open now, you walk in, or that's it, right? Mm-hmm. We can't have that because then we're failing as a community to say, we understand where you are, we're going to meet you where you are. That's the most important thing to do.
0: So how can we help? Do you need money? Do you need awareness raising? Do you need volunteers? What is it that you need? So, yes. oh,
4: Just pick five people who you haven't talked to about your advocacy or passion that you have as a feminist. And if you talk to them this month, talk to them about human trafficking. Awareness... Is how we're going to create a society that says enough is enough, this is wrong. And it, it's a supply and demand problem, right? Also, find ways to look for resources, national or local. So, justice that lasts locally, they always need your talent and, of course, your purse strings. So, please donate. But also, find ways in which you can give back. I heard someone who talked about an app. Those are very good ways to create other opportunities for survivors to try to get out and get help. They don't have to pick up the phone and call mm. somebody, or there's no record. They could go online, find out the resources. You know, What if we were to find ways in which we can allow survivors to be able to access a safe way to exit
7: when they're ready to exit, when it's safe for them to exit. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Amazing. Can you give us a couple of websites or anyone we could follow?
7: Justice at last is amazing. They have an Instagram. They have a newsletter. Even if everyone in this room just picked up their phones right now and donated a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. So if you could just
0: go on, what's the website, Justice at last?
4: Justiceatlast.org. I believe so. Just my phone's on the last.
7: side of the stage. i get it. Should we check? Like I my, phone?
0: I Should we check? On my phone. Just as last last.org. So maybe do a little tweet saying just as last last.org. Do you have a Twitter or no?
7: Um, I'm not sure. I only Insta. I apologize. Okay.
0: <laughs> Can someone just look up just as at last on Twitter and find what the Twitter handle
4: is? And while you're looking at that, I also want to give a shout out to the South Bay Coalition to end human trafficking. They were instrumental in the No Traffic Ahead campaign in 2017 when the Super Bowl came to uh, Santa Clara. If you don't know this already that's another opportunity for you to educate yourself and share information great
0: so become the advocate become the journalist become the one trying to recruit other people if that's the only feminist thing you do this week is to donate one dollar and to get somebody else to donate a dollar get someone else to follow the twitter feed or the instagram and get those people engaged and involved you've done one feminist thing this week and you're going to feel so much better can everybody give an incredible round of applause for tatiana and pratima So our next guests, they were quite remarkable. They couldn't have planned that better. Uh, Really remarkable. Actually, I don't know why we ever book guests, frankly. (laughs) In any audience, we'll have amazing people. Our next guests are local San Francisco real-life women who are in this audience. One of them has created an app that fights the emotional labour that women have to do every day called Yola. Her name is Louise Doherty. The other one works in virtual reality, creating extraordinary things for the State Public Health Department, but is here today in her capacity as a private citizen and everyday feminist. It's
6: Roz Plotka.
3: Hi, I'm Louise, and I'm the CEO and founder of YOLA. Um, And my name is uh, Roz Platzker. I am a doctor with UCSF as well as the California Public Health Department. Um, And I am working on a project that's called the Virtual Approach to Gynecology Project, making training tools for healthcare trainees. Wonderful.
0: So you're women in tech. And we know San Francisco is quite a tech-entrenched place. So it's so lovely to hear about this feminist tech that you're doing when yeah. Tiff has to go to her next show <laughs> so at some point Tiff's going to go when Tiff's going to go I'll do a bit of a goodbye Tiff situation so just let us know when. yeah in about two minutes I reckon two minutes alright or do you want to go now it might be easier it's saying it's
2: 20 minutes in a cab I don't know how long anything takes here
0: can everybody just say a huge thank you a big round of applause for the wonderful Tiff Stevenson <laughs> bye Tiff This has been the strangest show, I'll tell you. All right. So, Louise, tell us about YOLA. So,
6: YOLA is an app to organise group activities with your friends seamlessly. Uh, We're building the fastest way to get friends together. And I wouldn't usually explain it like this, but I feel like I'm among friends here. So, (laughs) uh, you all know the situation where... You're trying to get a group together, you want to go for dinner, you know, you're trying to go to the cinema, maybe you're going to see Sex and the City 3 with Tiff Stevenson. (laughs) And it's an absolute nightmare. You end up going back and forth and back and forth. The average plan takes 9 apps, 22 app switches, 77 swipes, 13 minutes on the phone, 10 texts, and it fails 40% of the time. Uh, It's just too hard. The thing is, you all know that because, and I've done thousands of hours of research so I can say this, Women are the ones that end up doing the emotional work of getting groups together. Whether it's families or friendships or mixed groups at work. Like, we're really good at it. And so we end up having to do so much more. And uh, I guess I just snapped. (laughs) So I quit my job. (laughs) I started the app. And, uh, yeah, so it's a platform to organize any kind of social activity you want to. Um, including volunteering or, you know, activism.
0: Great. So if we want to get a group together for a march.
6: Yes, absolutely. You can use it right now. We're available in 160 countries. We've just been named App of the Day by Apple and also by Google.
0: Wow. (laughs) So this is YOLA, Y-O-L-L-E-R. And can we download you as usual?
6: Yes, you can, yeah. Just from the App Store? From both App Stores. And it's also available on the web, so your friends don't actually have to have the app to Make all the fun plans with you. But the key thing about it is that it's collaborative. And that's the difference between the way that men and women tend to plan. Women tend to make sure that everybody has represented their views and put their thoughts in, what's the mm. restaurant, you know, what's the time, all that kind of stuff. Whereas men tend to say, we're doing this, are you in or out? Um, so we oh. make it collaborative, but also fast.
0: Wow. <laughs> that's so true, isn't it? That generally, a straight cis man will go we're doing this, do you want to do it or not? And there's not a lot of, not, not always, hashtag not all men. But it is often the case that there won't be a lot of consultation. And sometimes it's actually relaxing because you just think, oh, someone's made a choice, someone's made a decision. But then you may not enjoy the evening. And then there's other evenings where, what do people feel like? Oh, I don't know, no one wants to say. So this is a tool for that.
6: Yeah, it's like a WhatsApp group and a doodle poll all in one.
0: Oh... Okay, I love that. So, could you please tell us, Roz, about what you're doing?
3: I'm doing something very different. (laughs) Um, Um, Very important. But I don't actually think of myself as a tech person, um, and this is actually kind of funny for me to be up here talking about technology because I... I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Twitter. I'm sorry I don't have a handle that you can follow, but this is something that I really truly care about as a physician and basically one of the main challenges when you are learning how to be a physician or be a nurse or a physician's assistant is that it's difficult to learn how to do pelvic exams well. And I don't know how many of you have ever tried to find a cervix. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Did you find it? hmm Oh, yes. Okay, great. Yeah. So cervixes, for those of you who haven't looked for them, are hard to find. Um, and it's, you know, Much if you've like never tried spot. before. Yeah. If you've, never, if you've or, never tried before, it's actually pretty hard to find a cervix the first time. And... Um, for a lot of medical trainees, the way that they learn how to do a pelvic exam is actually kind of odd. You see a demonstration in a small group. So there's a teaching assistant who's actually a pelvic model, and then there's a small group of medical students who are together, and they practice on this live pelvic model, who then gives them instruction. And is it's that a
0: job, pelvic model.
3: Yeah. You can, or a surrogate patient... Gynecologic How much is testing? that paid? A couple hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. It, it, anyway. People are
0: interested. People but this are.
3: A couple hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. It can. It can. It pays well. Um, it but, should,
0: to be fair. It absolutely should. Yeah, and you're should. doing
3: a great service to medicine. Great um, service. Anyway, so your training is very, very limited when you're a medical student, and. Obviously, if this is the first time you're ever doing this exam, it's something that you are doing in front of people. There might be performative anxiety, not like I'm having that right now. (laughs) And um, (laughs) there also aren't a lot of opportunities. So even when you're rotating through a clinic, the only chance that you really have to practice this or see this is if the patient says that it's okay, which some people might not. And
0: you're (laughs) looking at me, (laughs) Yeah. No, and look. Obviously, which it is was fine, d- d- which, is it's within, which is within which is within the patient's right. Yeah,
3: and you would have to have a patient who needs a gynecologic exam, and that's few and far between. So, um, I wanted to create an opportunity for medical trainees to be able to practice this, in part because I want them to know what a cervix looks like and how to find it, and also to feel more comfortable. Yeah, everyone. And confident, yeah. Yeah, everyone. So, to feel more comfortable and to feel more confident in their skills so that when they do see an actual human being, it isn't awkward for the medical student and then it isn't awkward for the patient either. And this is sort of a very, very, very upstream approach to help clinicians in general feel more comfortable about the female Mm -hmm. anatomy and for primary care doctors to be able to feel more comfortable about performing things like pap smears and STD tests, which is what I also do for work.
1: Wow.
0: And so how close is this to being available to doctors?
3: So um, we've made a proof of concept, and so that means we've filmed a 360 video. And at this stage, actually this week, we just started showing it to medical trainees to get feedback on it. And so far so good, very reassuring. No one's getting motion sickness, which was also a concern. Um, (laughs) That can happen in virtual reality. Um, I'm learning a lot through this process. And...
0: Cervical motion
3: sickness. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so we... I would say a couple months to a year, we'll have it up online and available to medical students in UCSF. And then hopefully um, we'll be able to expand it from there. We don't have a website. It's called the Virtual Approach to Gynecology purely because I liked that acronym because I'm a physician and doctors need acronyms.
0: The Virtual approach to gynecology gynecology. Vag you guys are amazing everybody keep an eye on Vag download Yola start using it this evening send me pictures organize it send pictures band together use this app to smash the patriarchy and lower your own emotional labour toll big round applause for Ros Plotzka and Louise Docherty we're getting kicked out of the theatre so we do not have time to do consent I'm so sorry but can we get you next time we're in town we've already had twice the amount of normal guests but Rebecca we've just got time is it Rebecca have I said that right no Maria so completely different name person Maria, we've just got time to do your poem. If you come fast. Okay. All right. Please welcome to the stage with her poem, Maria Restivo.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm not a poet, but at the secret handyman's ball.
0: Policeman's ball.
5: Policeman's ball. Uh, There was a poet there and I was really inspired so I just oh, wrote this. Th- yeah the secret then, piece
0: was tour that we did in Edinburgh. Yes, Yeah yes. yeah.
5: So um, so inspired by that performance
0: poet. Yeah.
5: Take it away. Because I feel like in my feminist friends I'm like not feminist enough and I'm like oh I'm so sorry and then with my other friends they're like always rolling their eyes so I'm always way too feminist and so I felt like Your podcast gave me like a place to be, you know, like a belonging. So that's what kind of this is about, about those two parts of my life. So I'm guilty because when I look in the mirror and I see my fat rolling over my pants, I push and prod until I squeeze and squish every roll I can into some part of my clothing that makes my fat seem invisible, even though those are the real parts of my body. I don't go out and buy new clothes that fit this new fat on my body, but instead, I squeeze myself into clothing that no longer fits. And instead, I come up with responses in case somebody asks if I'm pregnant, which I am not. I'm a feminist because when I hear a woman say that they are not a feminist, I can't accept that. And instead, I have a 40-minute discussion on why they actually are a feminist. I won't stop until I convince them. That's just kind of awkward for some stranger sitting next to me on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guilty because in conversations with friends about feminist icons, I nod along in agreement and then quickly excuse myself to the bathroom to research who the hell they're talking about (laughs) and find some anecdote I can bring up that shows I also know who these feminist icons are. (laughs) I'm feminist because when I'm with my students, I will take any and all opportunities to show examples of everyday feminists and grill it into their teenage brains until they are permanently rolling their eyes. I am guilty because in a group of my coworkers talking about the makeup they can't leave the house without, they turn to me and ask what makeup I have to have on before leaving the house. And I replied, I like to take makeup detoxes so I feel beautiful with or without makeup. Feeling really good about my response, I turn around where a mirror reflects that my face, my neck, and even my chest are absolutely covered in makeup. I'm a feminist because when men at my work show microsexism, I report it to my boss every time, even though he has told me countless times that those are not things HR can really do anything about, and he's quite annoyed with me at this point. <laughs> we can spend our life being guilty and we can spend our life being feminist. When you've done all you can and said all you will, what will your name tag say? We can walk around without labels, We can just let people be. We must know where they stand, and we either judge or join their band. So in moments of confusion and concern, don't worry because we are there too. Can't figure out where to fit. What's our label when constantly contradicting? What will my name tag say? It will say I'm a guilty feminist. (laughs)
0: You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Frances White. Guest co-host Tiff Stevenson and our very special guests, audience members Tatiana, Bratima, Roz, Louise and Maria. The recording engineer was Zach Miley. Music was by Mark Hodge. Producer was Tom Solitsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Kevin Taylor, Dara Taylor, Nick Brew, Brian Schumann, and everyone at the Palace of Fine Arts Theatre as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com.
4: You said something about the feminist goddesses coming together today. Yes. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. We could not have made this up. We could not have. Seriously. Wow. My husband falling sick, Bindu and I drive. The feminist
0: goddesses, they have provided... By casting an illness on your husband, <laughs> <laughs> they do—they do what they need to do.
7: They do what they need
0: take to do. I mean, I want to say it's a 24-hour
4: so. bug. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be fine. And if he won't, I'll go home and take care of him. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the the thing is that this is the month where.
0: A huge thank you to all of our amazing patrons sponsoring us at the Smash the Patriarchy level or above. John Quakoi, Sarah Brown, and Sarah Boom.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh.